Welcome to Cross Section, a show discussing all things design and construction. Your hosts, Alex Regnery, project manager and self-proclaimed recovering architect, and myself, Nathaniel St. Jean, registered architect and builder, tackle the vast spectrum of our fields. Whether you're a seasoned pro, student, or just generally curious about the industry, there's something for everyone. And don't worry, there's plenty of nonsense and humor to lighten the mood. So let's get started. Welcome back, listeners. As always, I'm Nathaniel St. Jean, and guess who is not with me just yet? Mr. Alex Regnery. Now, we have a pretty good show in store for you today, but first, I have a confession to make to all of you. Uh, Alex and I had a great podcast, all geared up and ready to go, and, and we were gearing up to record for all of you this week. And I forgot to hit the record button. So what happened is we got, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes into the show there uh, and we weren't recording. So I'm going to do my best here. We're going to stitch it back together. Um, It should all make sense uh, for the most part. But the thing that we did miss was the very beginning. So I'm just going to go solo on that one. Uh, and and talk about it just so that you have some context into what we were discussing. So today, once you get into it here, you'll notice the the show is all about tips when buying a home. Alex actually put together a a couple tips here uh, from his home buying experience. I think he mentioned as you you get into it here that he's had three or four homes, maybe even five. I think he mentioned he had a rental property at some point. Uh, And he's learned some tips along the way. so as you're listening here, as, as you're going through it, they're actually tips for any, uh, anyone buying a home, whether you're going to be a soon to be new home buyer, or you are moving out of your existing home and, and going to another home. Uh, I, I remember joking. It was actually kind of funny with, uh, new home buyers. I joked at the market right now, at least up here in new England is, is actually pretty hot for sellers that it's it's rather tricky for a new home buyer to get a home right now because of the bidding wars that they're going into or overbidding and and underperforming and that kind of thing. So uh, if you are a new home buyer up here in the New England region, which is where Alex and I are, I understand your your difficulty uh, trying to get that home. Um, so some of the tips that we're actually going to get into actually can help you uh, create a better offer in some regards because some of these tips allow you to have some more uh, uh, tools in your belt, if it were, so that when you go to make an offer on a home, you have some more knowledge and some more context that you can provide um, to the seller with with your offer. Um, so really, the, the things we're going to get into here, it doesn't really matter if you're going to buy an existing home, any sort of old historical home. And Alex will talk about that in the show here, having uh, bought many old homes that required a lot of work um, or even a newly constructed or, or spec house. The tips here are relevant for all of them. Um, and we get into that here. And, and something we spent some time talking about as well are recently renovated homes or homes that uh, someone is flipping and, and how you can tell if someone is trying to flip a home versus someone who has had a home and is is just kind of sprucing it up uh, for sale. So we really get into it. We talk about how to do your homework on these sorts of things, what um, elements to look out for, 
what sort of stakeholders that you can um, add to your team when you start the home buying process. And most importantly, as we get through this, it's really recognizing uh, the gut versus like your emotional feel uh, in terms of being logical and, and completely objective. So it's really trying to balance that as well, because when you're buying a home, you want to uh, attempt to be as objective as possible, especially when you're looking at homes with other people so that you're not uh, showing them that you really, really, really want to commit to putting in an offer on this house. Instead, you want to be objective with them on that end because it will help your negotiation uh, as you go through this. Uh, internally, you can be highly emotional about it and, and get a really good gut feeling about the house, the home. Um, and, and we'll talk about that and, and what that means for you. So uh, you'll notice that when we get into the show, we're going to jump right into it because like I mentioned, I messed up and forgot to hit the record button. So we're going to jump into an area about uh, our first topic, which was about inspections and why it's so important to have a good home inspector as you're going through the home buying process. Um, and one of the big things there is really making sure you do your research onto uh, finding a good home inspector and, and a person who can help you do that. Uh, kind of your, your primary go-to throughout the entire home buying process is your agent. So whether you're, um, you've looked at a, a handful of homes, you put an offer in a couple of homes, say you get that one home that you have a really good offer on, they've accepted it. You definitely going to want to hire a home inspector to come out and look at the house and perform their inspection because that's kind of the last check for you before you sign any paperwork um, for someone to let you know if there's anything wrong with the home. And that's really, really important. Alex talks about this in his section when we, when we jump into it here on, on why you really want to buy a home inspector and that's something that's really challenging right now in uh, 2021 with the housing market being as hot as it is uh, for sellers. That means there's not a lot of inventory right now, uh, but the, the demand is really high from the buyers. So a lot of buyers are going in making offers saying that they do not need or they waive the home inspection. And we actually talk about how that can be a little bit of a problem, right? Because if you waive the inspection, you have no idea what's wrong with the house. You have no idea if there's anything behind the walls, if all the outlets work, if the water uh, hits the required temperature in order to get hot water, if your uh, tub holds water, right? That's important if you don't want a leaky drain. Um, so the home inspection is actually a vital element there. So we're going to get into that as well. So without further ado, I'm going to transition over to the show that Alex and I did record once I hit the record button. So I hope you enjoy. And they'll look up and they'll open the damper and it'll be a visual inspection. What they can't see is whether or not that chimney, the flue has cracks in it. If there's cracks in it, then there's the, um, um, you know, the danger of carbon monoxide getting into the home, into a bedroom, right? So in that case, now what you got to do um, is in the home inspector may recommend based on his visual inspection, hey, you should probably have a chimney inspection done. Um, if they don't in the home has a fireplace, I would hire someone to come out and do a chimney inspection. That's just one example. Okay, so the, in the full home, the home inspector, they'll do a full report on the full home. They're 
again, it's all visual. The exterior of the house, the condition of windows, what do they look like on the inside? Uh, if they're, again, is there evidence of moisture on the walls, you know, from leak? Same thing with roofs and walls, things like that. Um, but then again, let's say that the basement was recently renovated. I love this finished basement down here, right? What did they cover up? The home inspector likely is not, he's only going to have so many ways of, of being able to look into that. He's going to report on what he sees, he or she sees. Um, and, 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 you know, not all home inspectors like anybody else are all, all made the same. Um, there are very, I've had great experience with home inspectors and they'll give you a full report, pictures, um, items found that have issues, right? Um, but again, it goes beyond and it should go beyond a home inspector. They may be the one to even say that, but for all our listeners out there, it goes beyond that, um, just the home inspector. Right, because from my experience, I, I did a home inspection on, on the house I have, and you're right, they do a very in-depth report and put together like a little analysis of, of everything that they've uh, noted as they went through the house, taking photos, making comments, that sort of thing. But in various points, right, they made comments using the chimney as an example, right? If they noticed that some of the mortar was flaking out, that's mm -hmm. as far as they're going to take it. They're then going to recommend that you hire a mason to come out and check it out or recommend that it get repointed or something like this. But they're not going to be physically doing any of that for you. They are merely inspecting the house as it is. Yeah. Yeah. What's in front of them. Right. So right. that sort of begs the question. I mean, how have your uh, home inspections gone in the past with houses that you've purchased? Let's see. The recent... The most recent, the house that we currently live in, but four years ago, a good home inspector, very thorough report. Um, and the things that he noted, uh, like the age of the roof, which he was pretty accurate on, that was something that, you know, yeah, I, I, under, I understood that. Um, it didn't have, it didn't have issues, uh, but it is an older roof, but it wasn't like something that was a, we didn't have to worry about sort of negotiating that. But um, one issue that came up that was really a sticking point with me, and this wasn't an issue so much with the inspector, although if any inspector is aware of this, I think they should bring it to the attention. But more importantly, I think that it should be something that is in the um, in the the listing of the home, and that was so. This is a home in the city, so I'm of course on city utility. Our basement flooded a couple times. Um, the first time I in, in a really bad rainstorm, and the water was coming through the fixtures in the bathroom. Oh now, boy. yeah. And so in a, a biblical downpour, you know, just several inches in a short amount of time, 
I seem to be like at the low point of the storm line that is old. It's over a hundred years old and it can't keep up with this much water. Maybe a climate change issue. Um, and so it needs to go somewhere. Well, it's, it connects to the sanitary, all right? And so Yikes. what happens is that water comes through, so it's not 100% the nasty right. sewage stuff. But there's no backflow preventer. So, and you got it. So there's no backflow preventer, um, also called a backwater, um, a backwater valve. So when the, it comes in the wrong direction, the valve will is theoretically supposed to close. Well, I didn't have one, and I didn't know I, I I didn't know that. So and then when it happened, really really bad, which forced us to have to redo the basement. We had to redo the basement that was finished. Probably I don't know somewhere in the five to ten year range before we bought it. Uh, cause this was like an inch of water in the entire basement. Um, that's when I learned that we don't have a backwater valve. Learn the hard and, way. Yeah. And so, you know, long story short here, calling the, um, the water department, I learned that you are required to have a backwater valve, but that's a new construction they are not going to require all the existing homes that are anywhere from a hundred to 200 years old that, you know, cause it would. And so in the renovation, um, we had to include, you know, installing a back, a backwater valve. Uh, it's not the, the cost of that so much is what I was, what happened and the damage, the water damage. So we had to have a flood mitigator come in here. Uh, the insurance, unfortunately, only covered the mitigation, um, and then I was responsible for everything else after that. So, because of that stupid backwater valve, uh, it caused a huge, a huge problem. But the second part of that was when we took apart the um, the furred out walls when we took apart the, apart the construction of that finished basement the, pre- right. the previous yeah how shoddy and horrible the work was I mean absolute um, criminal work you know using a metal uh, a metal track on metal for metal studs on the floor of a basement that is that, you know, that's just, it's concrete slab, right? There's going to be, there's always going to be some moisture there. There was no bottom track anymore. Now, would a home inspector know that, that that construction behind the walls? No, no, but those are the kinds of things again. And so it's short of, of, um, you know, sort of half-assing the renovation that I had to do. I ripped it, I had it all ripped out. Because, you know, I couldn't do it half-assed for me. And I just, in my own mind, I couldn't sell this place whenever we decide to sell it in five to ten years and know that I that it that it's that it's not right. Right. 
And now I know it's not right. Uh, and now I know it's a hundred percent correct, correctly done. Right. You know? So anyway. Yeah. And what's interesting too, with those reports and this is, so if you're a new home buyer going through this process, there's something actually really important here, right? Is in, it sounds like this maybe happened in your process as well when you did your inspection. The report is always going to come back with things that they would recommend needs to be changed or updated or revised. That's the whole purpose of doing the inspection. But at the same time, it's really important for you, the home buyer, not to harp on every single point when you go to purchase your home, right? Because every home is going to need something yes, to be revised. Exactly. Don't, don't fight over the little things. Um, it, it's the, it's going to be the more significant things, you know, like for instance, our garage doors at the time, they were horrendous. They were, they were horrible. And so we negotiated that. Uh, and, and then, and then the last point I'll make on this inspection topic is, is, you, in addition to the home inspector, and you can talk to the home inspector about it, is what other inspections should I have? I personally would, if you, again, a fireplace, have that one done. I would have the electrical system checked, and I would have the plumbing system checked, fully checked with the <laughs> piping, the type of pipe, the for, not only for water, but for um the sanitary lines, the vent lines, the venting of the plumbing in this house is, is, is not right. Actually, I would imagine they did it without, and we'll get to permits here. Um, I bet they did it without a permit. And so it wasn't inspected by the building department inspector. So it gets into a lot of other issues. Yeah. So maybe we'll, uh, we'll, we'll uh, yeah, hit upon that one as we as we move through here because that is an, another element that is important and it actually ties into inspections as, as this person's going through the house. But before we get there, uh, let's let's actually jump into the next one there, which actually could be important when it comes time uh, as you're walking through these houses that you're seeing, whether it's uh, you're with your realtor or at an open house or even if it's when the inspector is walking through the property with you. Um, but that's like learning about and kind of visually kind of taking in the history of the renovations and the updates that are happening with these homes. Why is that important as you're home buying? Well, using the, uh, the, the basement renovation in my home as an example, um, you want to, when you're buying an, an existing home, regardless of the, of how old it is, um, probably not concerned about a, an addition on a home, a 200 year old home, you know, that was done 180 years ago, but recent renovations and updates. Um, you want to know what recent updates were made to the house. Um, and what was done? Why was it needed to be done? Right. So if it's fixing something, you're going to want to know that, um, for instance, foundation issues. Right. Um, thankfully, my basement doesn't flood because of like a bad foundation wall, because that that can be pretty significant. Right. And if you can't see it, that's a problem. Right. So understanding what the um, history of renovations are. 
in that, and then with with systems, right? Wiring for electrical, um, plumbing, uh, even insulation, right? Uh, water and insect damage. You know, a lot of examples here of, you know, if if an addition was made or if 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 a rent of interior renovation type project was made, understand what they were, what did they cover up, um, what was done. Yeah. And, and something within this too, right, that actually is important to recognize is the very first thing I was doing as I was looking at homes, whether online or then physically, is you have to be very aware of the age of the home, right? Because mm-hmm. if you're looking at, a say, a 200-year-old house, that's going to be set up drastically different than a house that was built in the 90s or 2000s. So you have to be aware that there's going to be things that were done over time, such as the plumbing and the wiring, even insulation, because they didn't end up using all that the older the houses get here. So it's understanding that, asking those questions, even with the home inspector, right? Because they'll be able to visually see a lot of these things. They could walk you through if the wiring is up to code and that sort of thing. But you have to be able to be aware of that because an older home will have, will hopefully have a lot more uh, renovation work done to it than a newer house because it has to be over time brought up to, to standard. Yeah, exactly. And then let's see, the second house we bought uh, back in Indiana was all the homes we bought are give or take a hundred years old. That one was, I think built in about 1920 uh, yeah, 1920, and we bought it in um, 06. So it's pushing 100 years old. Uh, brick home, it actually had concrete floors. The first floor was concrete and not on grade. It was um, a poured-in-place concrete deck. It's pretty amazing for a house. And, but anyway, solid, awesome, incredible house. Yeah. And any of the work that was done to that house, probably maybe let's say seventies or after horrendous, <laughs> like you would think an older solid historical home, you'd think that additions, um, any, any rework done to to a house like that would fit in the character and, um, and just the, the, the nature of the, of the, of the older home. And it's, it's, it, it was not the case. Some of these things were really, really bad Jeez. Um, and they caused, and they caused problems for us. Right. But, it, it, and I'll tell you, that was an emotional one. <laughs> we bought that on emotion. <laughs> uh, it, it was awesome for 10 years absolutely awesome all of our kids they have great memories and everything in the house but that was a that was i wouldn't necessarily say an impulse buy but it was definitely emotion drove that over gut and um but you're right on the age right so we were buying a hundred year old home and you're looking at the hundred year old aspect of the home right and it's solid right the rest of it was kind of like oh you know we can deal with that Mm -mm. (laughs) deep deep rooted problems Oh, geez. So like, what's an example? So, um, there was, there, there is this awesome, 
um, half moon shaped screen porch in the back of the house. Yeah. Mind you, the, the, the structure of it is, is all concrete and brick. It's this unbelievable. And it had a deck on the top for came out this little office space, a little roof deck thing, but that screen porch at the main level. So they connected one end of it to the kitchen, which the original kitchen was tiny. I mean, it's like the size of my little closet office I have in this house, right? Because it's an old kitchen. There's a hundred year old kitchen in it because it's back then. They connected that to the screen porch with this. That was like the one addition, not including the garage that was built and added on to the house because it didn't originally have an attached garage. Anyway, this little addition, absolute piece of crap. Just absolute piece of crap. The cheapest possible window. Um, the framing, the electric, I mean, every oh, wow. aspect of it was absolute junk. Now, when you first just walk through it, I'm not thinking of that little space that added onto the kitchen to connect out to the screen porch. Right. I'm seeing this hundred year old beautiful home. And even the, those little things, you just, you got to look at them and, and, you know, um, in that case, I don't know what the, what the, um, you know, sort of negotiating thing would have been, but, um, well, it's, it's partly too, cause again, you're never going to find, or I, I shouldn't say never, cause you probably could, there's unicorns out there. Uh, <laughs> but you're rarely going to find like the perfect house. That's like perfectly ready for you to move into it. Right. It's always going to need. Something. So I think the, the kind of takeaway from this, and I learned kind of this lesson just having my first house here is you really have to be, uh, you have to get over the emotion of it, but you have to be a detective as you're kind of walking through the house because exactly you're only going to go there twice, maybe three times minimum, uh, just through the normal process, but you really, that's right. Right. So you really have to take advantage of the time that you're there to really look at stuff beyond the room and the furniture layout and what color the walls are, right? You really have to dig deep into uh, inspect spaces on your own. And then when the home inspector is there kind of doing that even deeper dive. Yeah, exactly. Be a detective. That's good. A good, uh, a good way to put it. Yeah, exactly. Because it sounds like a space like you're describing there. And I can think of other homes that I've worked on from an architectural lens that like it, they had spaces like that, but that's something that you're, you're rarely going to be able to negotiate into the price because the space is what the space, the is. space is what the space is. But if there's something about it that is, you know, doesn't function properly, uh, you know, I mean, a, a roof leaking is a roof not functioning properly, right. uh, not just an outlet, not work, not functioning properly. Right is to think of components of buildings that way. Exactly. Um, and, and so that's exactly, just cause you don't like the look of it and might have some shoddy windows in it. You know, you're not going to, that, that's not going to be a, a leveraging um, aspect of it, but um, and what can you it, it's probably, but it's more so being aware of it up front, and that right. will get to our last topic here. Right. And actually that thing about the windows too, that's where, for a first time home buyer, you really have to just be aware of this is the inspector 
the home inspector will mention that in their report that like the windows are subgrade or the seals have failed or what have you. But if you try to negotiate that with the current homeowner, chances are they're not going to do anything about it because they're like, well, it has windows and they're not leaking. That's exactly right. (laughs) What what are you talking about? This house has windows. (laughs) Right. So it's all a, it's a balance when it really comes to looking at that inspection report and what you're visually seeing. Yeah, and exactly. And it's it, to what you said, which is so true, you might only be visiting that house, doing walkthroughs and, and whatever, two to three, maybe four times. Um, a lot of times you're going back and forth because, oh, I got I to gotta measure the, the dining room, you know, to make sure that our table fits in there, which is actually something we had to, any home we had to buy revolved around our round dining room table. It's kind of funny, but um, and, but, and, and you could do that. You probably should do that, do measuring and stuff, but it goes way beyond just measuring. Uh, okay. So related to the history of renovations and updates, Nathaniel is pull permit history. Bum, bum, bum. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. So for those of you that aren't familiar uh, permits have to be pulled with the local building department, usually uh, with the city. It could be a county, depending on how uh, where you're buying. Um, permits have to be pulled for significant changes that are made to a home, which include um, certainly an addition because you're adding to the footprint anytime you alter a building system, electrical, like if a panel is being replaced or you're adding a sub panel for a shop or a garage or something, uh, plumbing, you touch a plumbing line, you have to get a, not, not replacing a toilet, you know, you're able to DIY replacing a toilet, you can do that. You add a toilet somewhere, you gotta get a permit because it adds to the load uh, to the, the local utility. So permits have to be pulled, and those are going to be you'll you you will be able to see the history of those with projects um, at the home, and it's pretty important. Why? Because with the history of projects renovations in this home that you're looking at, you want to see if the permit that was pulled is consistent in the inspection in, in the related inspections. Now. Um, uh, what do I mean in this case with inspections is when you pull a permit for a, say an addition for a home, a builder does um, for a home, the, uh, the local inspector or inspectors come out and they have to inspect certain phases of that work. They inspect the rough framing. They have to inspect the rough plumbing lines. Uh, they have to inspect all those sorts of things. Um, you want to make sure that the, that hit that, that permit or history of permits aligns with the history of the work that was done. Um, that's going to be important because if you find out that there was work done to the home and there's no permits pulled, you want to ask yourself why now it may be so long ago that, 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 policy wasn't in place yet because that could be the case right um 
but that would be a very long time ago. But it it would be a red flag. If work was done and no permit was pulled, that would be a red flag because now you want to know what that project was, what is covering up, what did it fix, right? Yeah, I'll actually put that under the category too of like due diligence, right? So mm-hmm. at the same time, you're looking at houses with your realtor. This is kind of a separate process where you yourself as the homeowner to be needs to be able to do their due diligence. So this is actually one classic example where if you're looking at a house, I'll just use uh, where I am in Nashua, you would go down to uh, City Hall, go to the building department and you ask them for the I think they call it a building jacket or something like this. And every property has one on file because it has the tax uh, documents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you just ask them for it. Anyone can pull it. They're, uh, it's public, public public information. Yep, it's public information. And then when you get the building jacket, you can open it up. It should have your tax uh, plot plan there. Uh, but you'll see all the documents that are associated with that specific property. So you will see, should see some old building permits. You might see some drawings that are on file. Uh, you might see a survey. Um, and like Alex is saying, right, is like, if you know that work was done on the house, you go down there, but there's no permit pulled. Well, right. Those are some great uh, things to go back to the homeowner with <laughs> or your realtor to ask the question on like, Hey, what's going on with this? And it could be through it was so long ago that it wasn't tracked or, or what have you, but at least the, you're aware of it, right? And it's worth the question. So this actually worked in, well, the whole point of this is it's supposed to work in your benefit <laughs> for the knowledge, but it really worked in my benefit um, in terms of money back in my pocket. Um, so actually I lied. I bought four houses because I bought a rental property years ago. Uh, that's a whole nother conversation, <laughs> but, um, and I did not learn this in the purchase of it. Okay. But the property taxes were going to be raised in the area. I lived in the same area where I bought this little, uh, rental property house. And, um, and I went to, I went to go dig into it and I fought it. Well, what I found out was, so this house was a duplex, right? First floor apartment, a second floor apartment. It's a great little arts and crafts house. It was listed as a threeplex because somebody, the, the, base, the basement used to be an apartment like back in the 50s and 60s. Oh, it's never changed. In 70s, it was demoed out. It was, wow. so there's no, so there used to be a bathroom down there, a full bathroom. And so it was reduced now to a tuplex. So now not only did my taxes not get raised, they actually got lowered from the, from what they were. Um, and so I was, you know, not, I didn't get, I didn't get um, uh, pr- uh, retroactively, you know, I didn't get money back over the years that I owned it, but I didn't have to pay the, 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 additional taxes for that third apartment in there. So what did you do? You went downtown, did the same thing and you proved via the documents that were on file that it was no longer a, a triplex. Yeah. So I, and they just came and didn't, they, they just came down to verify it that the bathroom had already been renovated before I even 
bought it actually. Oh, it was I just see. still listed as a threeplex. Gotcha, gotcha. So I was being taxed on a threeplex instead of a duplex. So you went against your advice on the first when you bought the place, and then you followed your advice. As the exactly, no, that's exactly right. Yeah. So the you know that's the reason why you you know you want to pull that kind of history. Yeah. Um, is just to learn these, but, but to the point of these, uh, uh, you know, work that was done, the improvements that were made to the house, if they, you want to know that that improvement made to the house was an actual improvement and, and didn't create a problem, an, 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 you know, a problem that you're not seeing. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and something to add on to this too, it's it's still under the, again, the realm of due diligence here, but a little different from the permit history, but something any anyone can do, again, because it's, it's public record, is if you're looking at a house or property, even if it's land, you can actually go and do a, a quick uh, like deed search, right? And mm-hmm. you can actually read through the deed to ensure that there's nothing weird going on with the particular property whether it's an easement or gas lines or whatever covenants. <laughs> Definitely find out about the piece of property. Yeah, exactly. That's, that is, that is exactly. And all that stuff, it's public, you know, and this sounds like a lot of things to do, a lot of questions to ask. It might sound like a lot of nagging with the realtor and inspectors and going back to the home to, to the original homeowner and, they may just say, you know, I don't even want to talk to these buyers anymore. Forget them. And you fell in love with the house and all of a sudden, you know, well, it probably was meant, not meant to be. Right. No emotion. Uh, they'd be here, right there. They're probably covering something up, right? And they just don't want to deal with it. So you're probably better off. But, but you should be asking these questions. Yeah. But that's the whole thing too, is think about it this way. It's a huge investment for you. It's a, it's a lot this of money. This is the point. Um, yeah. If you're only going to see the house, like we said, physically, a hand less than a handful of times, you want to make sure you're doing your due diligence in other ways, right? Uh, so the deed thing is a great example where you can see if there's any weird things going on with your property. Um, a good example, actually, my own house I'm in now, I'm on a dead-end street, and I'm the first house in the corner. I actually found out that I own half the street, but... I can't do anything with it because I need to grant access to the houses at the end of the street. So there's an easement on my property so that people can drive through and get to their house. So between myself and my neighbor, we each own the street, but we can't do anything about it because we have to grant access to the houses behind us. Had I not known that, not that that's making a difference, but I just learned that through doing a, a quick little deed search there. Did you put a great big huge sign for all the neighbors that live on the end of it? You're welcome. Right. <laughs> you can now access the main road because of me. Oh, <laughs> uh, interesting. Yeah, I, I heard through the, the my neighbor here who's been here for I think thirty or thirty five years. They've been here for a while. Uh there used to be a whole uh neighborly dispute for the previous homeowner because of that. They thought that they had like unlimited access to their half of the road, so they'd like leave their car there or something. But turns out you can't because you have to legally grant those other two houses access. So they're coming through your property. Interesting, yeah. I had kind of a similar thing in an older home too where a portion of the alley 
cut into my property in order to connect. It's, it's kind of like a 90 degree thing or whatever, but hard to explain, but, but I, and I didn't know that in, in buying it either. Um, not that it really made a big difference because it was kind of a big piece of property back there, but, but it, it is good to know. Yeah. About that kind of stuff. Yeah. Cause you could also, I mean, another example, not, it wouldn't come out in a deed search, I don't think, but it would come out in a different, like a GIS thing, but like wetlands, right? If your property is sitting in wetlands somewhere, that has a whole ah. set of restrictions. <laughs> ah, so that is an interesting one too, with the last one with the alley thing I just mentioned. Yeah. When we lived that for 10 years, the, the, um, um, the emotional buy, <laughs> <laughs> the, at the street level. So the piece of property, the piece of property was like over 750 feet long. It was this long rectangular shape lot. Yeah. In the first hundred and twenty or so feet, the main at the street level, of course, is where the house was. And then there was a bank out back. It's pretty cool. It was a bank that went down and dropped down maybe it could have been about 15 some feet. It was the old river bank from like a million years ago. Because oh, the, okay. the, the the river, the St. Joe River was about mm, quarter, half mile away. But that was the old river bank, right? A million years ago. I didn't know that the property down there, I didn't know buying it, was after the fact that it was wetland and it was it was if you put a shovel in the ground it was like putting a shovel in a sponge it was pure peat right there's no way you're building on that right but if you had the idea like you're going to subdivide it i'm going to put a house down there well (laughs) you're going to put a house boat on there right (laughs) yeah so it's it's those kind of things you have to not knowing about these things i think by doing kind of that initial search in the deed permits looking at flood maps the flood map thing will actually come up during your home buying process anyway from insurance purposes yeah oh for sure if you're in a floodplain oh god no question but uh but yeah no those those are great examples and and maybe subdividing leads into this this next point here if you have a flipped house because you uh, had someone that got ambitious and wanted to just flip their house, or they were a builder or a contractor, uh, and they're kind Developer. of working, yeah, general builder, kind of working around the area here. Um, flipped houses, you have to be, I think, a little bit, I would argue, a little bit more diligent when you're looking through these houses, and there's some reasons for that, right? Well, all right. So doesn't the concept of a flipped home just raise it raises a flag in my mind and and of makes you a little skeptical right because what is the purpose of someone flipping a home to make a buck if their first i mean not that there's anything wrong with making a buck but if their first priority is to make a buck they're going to want to get their the shortest possible distance to get the most buck out of it so if it's a flipped home where a developer a builder um contractor you know um i you know there's realtors that do it there are realtors who buy homes and renovate them and sell them and i can tell you they're getting far more than 100 cents on the dollar (laughs) 
And it is not to say that they're not doing the right thing, but you definitely have got to start digging deeper into a flip tome. You definitely need to look into the history of those projects. Um, you need to, you need to look into the reputation, right. Of who flipped it, the builder, the developer, whomever it might be. Well, that's, that's one of the things, right? Is <laughs> I just kind of thought about this because I was like thinking about flipped homes that I've seen. It's like, you know what a, a person who is flipping a house or a company that's flipping houses, you know what they're vying for? They're vying for a home buyer's emotion. Motion. They're yeah. Looking, right? The finishes. Oh, the you colors. should see these awesome hardwood floors, honey. Right. They're the most awesome hard. Um, yeah, that's not a hardwood floor. That's uh, a uh, that's a veneer. Uh, the veneer, yeah, exactly. It's not even a veneer; it's a pattern that's All right. painted on particle board, <laughs> hardwood. But that that's actually very true, right? Is and again, I'm not going to go out and say this. This things like you can't do that because obviously that it's a way to it's a business model but the finishes and the quality might not be as high, right? Because they they need to make yeah. their money back. Um, exactly. So it is something to be very cognizant of if you know you're looking through a house that's just been flipped. Uh, kind of going off topic, I mean, how would you know a house has been flipped, Alex? Uh, just knowing the previous owner. Yeah. So if the previous owner owned it for less than a year... <laughs> And prior and the prior owner, however long they own it, let's say they owned it for 20 years, and a bunch of permits were pulled in the past year, that one year owner bought the house to fix it up, flip it, and flip it. Yep. Um, and again, we're, we're, I'm not we're not saying that they're all they're all they're all criminals here, but it definitely should it should raise. Uh, a red flag that you just need to do the due diligence of all these things we've been talking about. Um, you know, the, the flooring is just one example, right? You might love the bathrooms that were redone, right? Unbelievable tile, uh, bathroom fixtures. Oh my God. They got, you know, <laughs> all these awesome bathroom fixtures and faucets and Kohler, you know, the rain shower, shower heads and all this kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And, and, and they, and they selected awesome stuff, you know, high quality stuff. What is it covering up? What do you not see and, and not know? Go down to the basement, look at the floors. If there is a basement, is there, was there water damage? You know, um, you've really, you know, the electrical work, um, you know, again, talking about plumbing inspections. If I had a specific plumbing inspection done on this house, this is a lesson learned on the house I own now. I don't think it would have passed because of the venting. Same with mine. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, unless they're passing shoddy work in this town, but um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually kind of a tricky one, right? Because flipped home existing home that someone's just selling it, it's so hard to know various elements. It's hard to see if there was water damage. Even the existing homeowner might not even have known if like their basement sure. was finished, right? Sure. Uh, so part of that is that's where there's a little bit of risk that comes in with that. 
there's risk in all of this. And what a great way to segue into the last bullet item here. So how do you mitigate risk? How do you mitigate? So um, regardless of the age of the home, any home you buy, any home you buy is an existing older home, whether it's a day old or whether it's 100 years old. It's an older home, um, and it comes with all the older home, home ownership joys. Ha uh, first of all, you should ask for a home warranty. Um, I, I think it's probably not that I've done it all the time. Um, and it may depend on the particular home. If you're wondering what a home warranty is, it's a yearly service contract that, that, um, covers repair and replacement of things. And, and you can, and there's different levels of, you know, what you want included in the warranty, but things like appliances, um, um, you know, home systems components. I mean, it could deal with mechanical, electrical, plumbing stuff, wiring, a panel, um, could deal with the roof, could deal with garage doors, right? Um, so it really depends on, that's probably a little, you know, what can you afford kind of thing, but um, probably not a terrible idea. But more importantly is all of you new home buyers is plan on a cash reserve. How much? I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's definitely going to be more than a thousand dollars and it should be a separate account. You should just plan on it and you should not let your emotion take over and go, Oh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of this down the road. You know? Yeah. I mean, in five years we'll, we'll be able to do these things. Well, I would say if you don't have it now, if you, if in buying this home and all the things that you do and cars, and all that kind of stuff, if you don't have a cash reserve, I would suggest not going into home ownership until you can, uh, because there's always going to be work. There's always going to need to be repairs. Right. And we're not even, and we're not talking thousands and thousands of dollars unless some catastrophe or something happens. But um, I, I, I would strongly plan on a cash reserve. I don't know how much. I don't It, it would depend on the home, but probably 5000 Yeah, it depends on the home. And also it depends, I would think, on, on one's level of comfort with the home, right? So if you know that you're capable of kind of tackling some projects on your own at whatever scale, the reserve might be less because you don't have to pay someone to do X. Mm -hmm. But it also depends, I think, on the strategy you decide to take on on how you want to maintain your home also, right? Because if you're someone who's going to do uh, maintenance continually, you won't necessarily have those bigger bills come in versus someone who's waiting until something fails. At that mm -hmm. point, you'll have a bigger bill come in, right? And then at, at the same time, there's always that emergency that could happen, right? Uh, we had a uh, one of my pipes like backed up one time, and I had to get a plumber over here on short notice, and that's expensive. But I couldn't fix it in the moment, and I needed, <laughs> needed it fixed. Yeah, so I know those things happen, right? Uh, so yeah, being able to to at least save up some some cash to have that on hand for those sorts of emergencies. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and you know, if you're not 
a do-it-yourselfer at, at, at any level. You're not, if, if you're not a DIY person, not that I'm doing everything at my homes, I will not touch electrical. No, thank you. Um, but, but I do a lot of things on my own. So you're constantly looking and seeing things, right? And if you're not one of those person, you're not looking and seeing those things. And so that, and, and those, those you know, things do pop up. Um, and, uh, yeah, you got to deal with them one way or another and you don't want to be caught with, you know, how am I going to fix this? Yeah. Cause those are never fun situations, right? Because then the money never are money is involved and usually it's, it's big dollars, especially these days, uh, as we in 2021 here where the cost of labor and material is, uh, rather absurd. <laughs> Have to start milling our own two by fours, Nathaniel. That's right. Uh, I got a holy couple, cow. Got a couple trees over here I can fell to do that because yeah. yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no that that's actually very the last point there of warranty and cash reserve is important, and I think warranty very similar situation as as that cash reserve. It it would come down to your level of comfort, right? So if and your ability to take on risk, if you know that you you have the wherewithal to tackle some of the uh, projects on your own, or you have the cash reserve, maybe you don't need the home warranty, right? Or if you're someone who just does not exactly. want to, to deal with it and they have the funds, go for it, right? Because then you're able to have the assurance that it's you're going to be covered and, and safe. And, mm-hmm. um, and then yeah. I guess not even in there, but would be typically included is like you'd have your homeowner's insurance on top of all that too. So if there's ever something drastic or in, what do they call it? An act of God or something, you'd, sure. <laughs> you'd be okay. Yeah. Right. Those kind of things, of course. But otherwise, now that you've got all these handy dandy tips, go buy your first home just to ask a lot of questions. Yeah. And that, that would actually be my biggest takeaway as you look at homes, right? Is you have to ask questions because it's such a huge investment. In it's an investment. You're not spending a lot of time in the space necessarily. And if you're at a, mm-hmm. like an open house, there, there's dozens of other couples and people looking at this house. You're not going to have uh, a lot of time to really nitpick. No, exactly. On your own. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, I think these are great, great points to keep in mind. I think, this could be one for a different conversation, but I've been uh, thinking about this a lot as we have some some family that's starting to actually go through this very process here. And, and one of them I keep thinking about to put a, uh, a pitch for architects, right, is how helpful would it be to have an architect come with you to look at your houses? Because Yeah, it could be dangerous too. <laughs> But I think the danger of that could also be an upside because an architect could help you understand what it is that you're going to be working with, right? They well, understand. we have we have so much experience with them, right? Yeah, yeah. so it's a great Newer way to... construction, older, older buildings, yep. Yeah, it'd be a kind of a great avenue for you as you're walking through a space, having your architect give you kind of ideas on what you can do. They could actually look at how things are set up currently, if if you could take down a wall potentially or not, depending on what's going on. So actually yeah. kind of a cool, a cool thing to, to leverage if, if you had the ability to do that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Call up your architect buddy. 
100%. Yeah. And, and sometimes that's okay. I've actually, I've did not do this, but I've heard from someone else who, who's now on, I I think their second or third home as they're doing walkthroughs with their realtor, they actually are inviting some of their, uh, trades friends over like a plumber or electrician to walk through. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, and I've done it as an architect. People have asked me to go look at something and, you know, if you want to do this addition, can we do this or that or whatever? Yep. It's usually, it's usually pretty high level, but the danger is I might be looking at too many other things. for them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we can do this over here, but I know you really want to do this over here. Right. (laughs) Right. So yeah, cool. I think we will, uh, We'll call that a wrap. Uh, Hopefully you get something out of this one. As always, make sure you check out our episodes on wherever you listen to your pods these days. Or, as always, you can find it over on our website, tectonicanow.com slash podcast. Until next time, everyone. Cheers. Over and out.